0: Apple presents events at the Apple Store.
1: Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, film critic of The Village Voice, and owner of Video Free Brooklyn, Aaron Hillis.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for, for coming out. Uh, this, is, this is pretty exciting uh, for me. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with his filmmaking career. Uh, just curious, uh, who, who here... Did not know that he was a filmmaker and only knew him as a comedian and performer. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, anyway, he's been making films uh, for, for a while now. This is, uh, I believe, his fourth or fifth feature now. Uh, Willow Creek. We'll, we'll be able to show you a trailer. Uh, the movie's coming out tomorrow, uh, theatrically as well as uh, on demand. And uh, I guess without further ado, let's, let's watch a clip from his Bigfoot movie, Willow Creek. Willow Creek.
2: say. I just keep talking. I got to adjust these levels. Check 1. My boyfriend's a big idiot. Check 1. I said that I I would come on this trip to help you with your film and it's your birthday and we're going to have a great time, but I'm not about to say that I believe in Bigfoot.
1: Hi. I'm in Willow Creek, Mecca to the Bigfoot community. He's all over the place. Oh, there he hey. is. There is a thing we call the curse of Bigfoot. Your friends will all think you're crazy and you'll spend all of your days searching for something that you never find. I think we're getting close. There's a lot of people back in these woods that just don't like other people in their business. Mm. Turn that thing okay. on. Okay. Lucky for me, I know another way in.
2: We're here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is my sock doing in the tree? Oh, my God. Look at this. Did you see this? So I may have just gotten some evidence.
0: Without further ado, filmmaker Bobcat Goldthwaite. Hi
2: everybody. Thank you for uh... please sit down. No, that's alright. I'm kidding. I, uh... <laughs> nice to meet you. Uh... What are we doing? Why
0: did you want to make a Bigfoot movie?
2: I, um, I've always liked Bigfoot ever since I was a, a small boy. Um, as a boy... <laughs> Supposed to a large boy i'm uh, uh benjamin buttons I've been, i been i was really big and now i'm getting old and um no i don't know how that worked i never understood that movie but um i've always liked uh, bigfoot and so uh a while ago i went to um willow creek which is a town in northern california i i had I I put about 1,400 miles on my car driving around looking for Bigfoot and going to all the Bigfoot sites and stuff. I don't know if I told you this. Initially, I was going to do a Christopher Guest kind of movie. Yeah, originally it was going to be like I'd go to a Bigfoot convention and then um, the movie would be about a Bigfoot convention. But then when I got there, I... I didn't really have it in me to make fun of people in the Bigfoot community because I realized that I myself am a weirdo and an outsider and people think I'm a a bit of a kook. So the idea of making fun of people that people felt that about didn't seem right. Um, When I was at the Bigfoot convention, most of the people in the Bigfoot world believe Bigfoot has a flat head, not a pointy head. They considered the pointy-headed Bigfoot something that Spielberg came up with for Harry and the Hendersons. So there was a cardboard cutout of a pointy-headed Bigfoot, and this one guy comes up. This guy had a booth, and he has this pointy-headed Bigfoot, and the other guy comes up, and he goes, you disgust me. (laughs) He goes, what do you mean? He goes, look at at his head. And the guy goes, really? I've seen Bigfoot three times, and you're never going to see him because you smoke. Um, uh, this guy believed that Bigfoot hates tobacco but apparently Bigfoot likes weed because those guys I've gone squatching a few times now and um, a lot of them are on grass they like they like weed I think anybody who comes up with the term squatching uh, would have to be a little bit high but squatching I, well one time I got out of uh, Willow Creek I, I digress but the, the place where the movie was made in order to get the Bluff Creek where the Patterson Gimlin footage was shot it's It's two and a half hours down a 17-mile dirt road. And this is a huge park. There's nothing. I mean, planes do get lost in this forest. It's gigantic. And we saw two mountain lions when we were filming. But another time when I visited Bluff Creek, um, we get out of the car and immediately we hear noises. You know, we hear this animal. And they hear this... And everyone's scrambling to get their recorders. And I said, um, I think... uh, that sounds like a coyote. And one of the guys that I was with goes, yeah, well, juvie squatch sometime impersonate other uh, animals. <laughs> so not only is Bigfoot elusive, he's really good at impressions. <laughs> he's like the Frank Caliandro of <laughs> cryptozoology.
0: <laughs> well, so before we get into the movie, I, I wanna know a little bit more about the, the Bigfoot culture. So I, I understand, uh, you know, <laughs> you had one idea that you were going to make a certain kind of movie, and then you realized yeah, that uh, it was just a, an eccentric community who you identified with uh, in some regard. Do, do most of these people have... Do most of them have a Bigfoot story? Or, I mean, is that what it takes to get... To be a part of that subculture? Or, or are they no, just people it, who are just, just... They're just believers?
2: It's different. You know, there's people who... who a lot of the, the the bigfoot enthusiasts that I've encountered that are, you know really make it their life's work, some of them haven't had any kind of encounters, but they're uh, it's just something they're passionate about. But when you're up in Willow Creek, everybody has a bigfoot story, or if not, their family or friends do. You know, especially the native people up there. Except the woman who runs the gift center, the, not the gift center. I'm sorry, the visitor center. This town's major industry is Bigfoot, right? And they find this one woman who doesn't believe in Bigfoot. So you go in there and you go, have you seen Bigfoot? She's like, no, Bigfoot's not real. Cram it. You know what I mean? And you're like, <laughs> actually, outside of growing pot, Bigfoot is their biggest industry up there. Incredible. So... Then, then, then,
0: how how did this 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 story change then? So you so you were you were originally going to make a That's comedy, true. and how, like what at what point did you decide that uh, that you were going to make something that was scarier? Obviously, there's a lot of humor in this movie, but I would say it shares more with uh, yeah. the, the horror canon than it would yeah, comedy. Yeah, well,
2: I actually I I um I was talking to Joe Lynch, the director, and I was I said I really think this would make a good found footage movie but you know found footage is pretty played out and he said you know you're trying to make a musical you know what i mean this you gotta think of found footage is just another kind of movie you know go up and make it and it'll be your kind of of found footage so i thought okay and then when he tells the story and then he says he called me a week later and i was up there filming <laughs> um but uh I, you know, I kind of—that's the kind of spirit in the movies I make. I don't really wait around for; I just just go forward and start making them, you know. Well, I think at this point uh, we can look at another clip from the movie.
1: Aren't you curious to know why, for thousands of years, all right, people all over the world have reported seeing an ape-like creature walking through the woods? Not really. Well, then why are you here?
2: Because I like being with you. What? <sighs> oh boy, now you're mad. No, I'm not mad. Honey, we can believe different things and still be a couple. It's okay.
1: I just don't want you to think I'm crazy.
2: <sighs> oh, I know you're crazy. I wouldn't be with you if I didn't know that. I just don't believe in Bigfoot.
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh, as, as you said, found, found footage is is you know it's it's just one way to tell a story, and right. I think it certainly makes sense for. I'm sorry,
2: I'm going to interrupt. I, I for those folks who are just listening to it, there's a screen behind us, and there's a poster that my friend um, Alex Party made of Bigfoot, but. It, it just it's just there's just this image of Bigfoot and it says Bobcat Goldthwait filmmaker. <laughs> it, it, it looks like I'm Bigfoot. All right. Uh, you do actually footage. have that image on I your arm that, though. I have that. Yeah. I uh, I have a tattoo of that. Yeah. My my movies have a very limited promotional budget. <laughs> so my my body is turning into a NASCAR burn suit, you know. I I, do I have no? I do have a Ed Wood in honor of the uh, movie I did with Robin because uh, he called me Bob Wood when we made uh, 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 World's Greatest Dad. But um, or you meant I had him on him because he's hairy. Is that what you meant? No, no, I mean- oh, okay. Because that's my thing. I only do movies with hairy, car- <laughs> <laughs> hairy creatures <laughs> that live in Northern California. Um, maybe that's what the the what this has in common with the other movie. Other movies I've made, but um, yeah, found footage. You know, I, I we were speaking before about this at a different festival, but it's true. Um, at a, a film festival, that um, you know, I'm not really a big found footage fan because I always wonder who found this footage and edited a movie out of it. You know, who said, Well, I'm sorry your family got killed and mutilated, but I really think if we edited out the slow parts until they got killed they'd have a tremendous picture here so um that was the challenge for me i was trying to think of how could i make a movie that was a found footage movie and and um, not have a bunch of cuts there's only uh there was 67 edits in it there's a few more because i actually added a few scenes uh since the film festival
0: Uh, Well, uh, you know, the other problem that I usually have with found footage is that you know, it's also besides the fact of, of of who would who would be putting all this together is I always know that that's going to be fake because it's a movie and there's no way for me to get lost in something when right. I can't imagine that being. But one of the things that I really dig about this movie, and you know, you see that in the, even just that brief little clip, is you actually took the time to write characters, and it's not just a setup for plot points or whatever the the horror that's going to happen. You have these these uh, this couple who's on the road, and one's the believer and one's the skeptic, and and you know, you, you get to you get to actually like take the time to learn who these people are and what their relationship is. I was if you could talk a little bit about the writing process and even the casting process.
2: Well, Alexi and Bryce are are really old friends of mine now. Uh, not old friends, but friends. And they've both appeared in other movies I made, and it just seemed like they would make a, a believable couple. They didn't really know each other, but they're just really great actors. And I, you know, I I. I don't know, you know, I just, that was, there was a couple, two things that I was interested in doing in this movie. I was wondering if I could make believable characters that you empathized with. That was the biggest challenge, and if the movie works for people, I hope that's the thing. I thought that might separate it from other found footage movies, cause, because often found footage movies are made by people out of desperation like you go well I can't get a, a, a movie you know what I mean I, I, they use it as a calling card because it's a, the most inexpensive way to make a movie but not that my other movies have big budgets I actually did think that making a found footage movie made the most sense in telling the story so so I wanted to use and not to di- diminish what other people have done but I think often in found footage movies the actors aren't so good and also in found footage movies. It, it, something happened in horror, I think, in the late 70s where um, the, 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 your protagonists uh, tend to be people you can't wait to see get killed, <laughs> you know? And I was trying to flip it back to the other side to make characters that you empathize with before terrible things happen to them so you would feel something, you know, hopefully, you know? Um You've you've primarily worked in comedy, and you're you're
0: probably best known for comedy. Uh, can you talk a little bit about suspense and working with it? You know, for the first time, obviously there's also suspense in comedy, but yeah, this was this was a, a, a new thing for you as a filmmaker.
2: Yeah, that was the other reason I was interested in doing this movie. Uh, you know, there's a lot of filmmakers that I really admire. That can make these scenes where not much is going on, but you're at the edge of your seat. So the challenge was, I was hoping I could try to do something like that. You know those scenes in a Tarantino movie where there's nothing going on, but you're kind of you're really wigged out. You know, or Roman Polanski and David Lynch. You know these people do that kind of stuff. And I, I was uh, the challenge of that. You know, but comedy, it turns out, and suspense are really uh, so they have so much in common. You know, after I finished the movie, I realized in a suspense movie, you need that scene, like something, you hear a noise, and the people look, and then it's just, oh, the cat knocked over a lamp, and then a minute or two later, or or immediately something horrible happens to them, and I realized I didn't have the, oh, no, it's just the cat, so that's why I shot the scene with the raccoon, Uh, so... But because I have a scene where you might think, oh, maybe a raccoon's responsible for the things, the noises, the things that are happening with the, this couple. But um, it's really expensive to get a raccoon to act in Los Angeles. So <laughs> my daughter they found... They all have agents. Yeah, they yeah, got to talk to their people. And um, uh, so so I just approached a raccoon on Twitter. No, I, um, no, I actually, uh, my daughter found... Uh, a place that rescues raccoons and we donated some money and they let me film in a raccoon cage with a real wild raccoon that was recently injured and he was on the mend. So he was kind of dodgy, he was a little crazy. I was really nervous, like I go, how did he get hurt? It wasn't like by another 80s comedian, you know what I mean? It wasn't, Gilbert Godfrey didn't hit him with a bike or something, right? And so they let the raccoon out and he just comes... I'm in a cage with a raccoon, and I made the bottom of the floor look like the, the floor of the forest and put some trees in. So they let this raccoon, and he doesn't, he just ran right up my leg. And it was a wild raccoon, and he just kind of held on my pocket like he was riding a subway. And then the raccoon goes, like that, like, like that. And, and the woman, and she's outside the cage going, that's a happy noise. He likes you. I'm like, I'm glad, cause I just peed a little. I don't. I, <laughs> I'd love to tell you I'm a, a better man than this, but eventually I petted the raccoon on the head, and I started crying. It was a wild raccoon. He let me pet. It was pretty good. I like animals. That's it. That's a sweet, tender moment. I'm well, glad no, you but, shared that one. But you know, my my uh, ex-wife, she she said you're a misanthrope. <laughs> I said. You're only saying that cuz you're a human. But um, you know, I I I I love I love little animals though. And I like some people.
0: Uh well, we were talking about suspense before. I want to show another clip and then we'll discuss uh it's actually the longest shot in the entire movie. Uh should we set this up beforehand? I know we're only going to watch like a like well, a of We're going to see, see a little bit of, of the
2: scene, but the scene is actually 19 minutes long in the movie and there's no cuts. So um yeah, so, so we'll show a little bit of it.
0: So we'll show the next one.
2: That ain't no human. Um, that scene is very long, and, and like I said, you know, we shot it, it at Bluff Creek, and um, it's about two or three in the morning when we filmed it. And um, the first take of that scene, Bryce, who plays Jim, started crying, cause things get worse. Um. And I said, that was a really good take. I just don't think your character would cry. And he said, my character's not crying, I'm crying. Why are we filming this out in the woods? We could shoot in a parking lot at a hotel. Nobody knows we're really here. I was like, that's really good. Let's just do it again. (laughs) Don't cry this time.
0: So uh, do tell. I mean, again, as as I was saying, that this is the first time that you've worked with making a scary movie. How do you, uh, you know, what what were some of the techniques that you used to make a shot that goes on for that long, you know, with it without it dragging? I mean, besides him uh, crying, and what, what were, how many times did you shoot it? Were were there any things that you did to to try to, you know, heighten the? uh, Yeah,
2: we would. It was. Like I said, it was in the middle of the night. It was right after we had seen Mountain Lion, so it was kind of scary. But the real reason I did the... One of the reasons I I chose to do it that way is um, different things happened to them through that scene. They weren't... They didn't know what was going to happen. We did talk about what the scene was. And um, the first time, some things happened. Then the take that's in the movie I thought was the right. And then the... Third take, I think things got way over the top. But, um, you know, those noises and sounds, the majority of them are done live. Um, um, So I I just thought that helped a lot with with everything. You know, I mean, instead of them going, you know, instead of saying, and then at this point you hear this, and then you look that way, you know, most of the stuff was recorded and made live on location while they were in the tent. Uh, since people haven't had a chance to see the film
0: yet, it's it's hard to discuss, you know, some some of the things because there there's so many pleasures that you know. Go see the movie. It's opening tomorrow, tomorrow night, tomorrow. VOD
2: theatrically. Well, I mean, if this is the kind of crowd I draw, I can't imagine how huge the crowd will be for the movie. There's almost a thousand people here, Bobcat. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, Bobcat, Bobcat. Cut what, out. uh, if, if, we, if we could backtrack, uh, way before Willow Creek, uh, what made you want to get into filmmaking in the first place? I mean, what was what was, was there a certain itch that you felt, uh, you weren't scratching creatively? I think it was the
2: movie *Hunted to Trust. <laughs> <laughs> so we do end up talking about Hot to I know you can't avoid it. No, uh, yeah, when I made that movie, I was really frustrated. And I, it kind of inspired me to start making my own movies. You know, it kind of put me on my own trajectory of going, well, if this knucklehead can, can direct, I think anybody could. And then, um, it, and I realized that I'd have to make my own movies in order to tell stories instead of waiting around and and doing it the, you know, within the system and stuff. So from all of your time on film sets in front of a camera, uh
0: what what were some of the things that you you knew already before you ever made your first film that maybe things that you even take with you now having a few films under your belt?
2: I think that the whole process, you know, as you know, sometimes I look at my career and I wonder if I would have done it differently, but it all kind of helped teach me and get me ready to 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 make movies at the end of the day. You know, the first time i was in a movie i you know the first like police academy movie i was in i didn't know where to stand i didn't know thank you thank you very much <laughs> we should note that beach balls suddenly broke out and um people started doing the wave here at the <laughs> apple store and so oh, the wave how old am i uh, um it's uh I, they're making a new police academy. They're rebooting it. And uh, I said, they're going to do what they did to 21 Jump Street. They're going to make it a comedy this time. But, you know, doing... Uh, uh, but those movies that taught me where to stand, you know? And I worked with a lot of different great directors. I worked with, like, Richard Donner and Jerry Paris, who actually kind of taught me a lot about comedy. And so... So, um, it all kinda influenced. I didn't I should have known earlier on in my life that I wanted to be a, a guy who made movies because whenever a movie would come out I didn't look at the stars or anything. I would I'd look right at the bottom of the poster and see who it was written and directed by. And like Mel Brooks, I think, was a huge, huge, huge hero of mine growing up, you know, and and you know, and and sometimes you know, I do I know I make different kinds of movies, but you know, like I think people don't realize like mel brooks like you know he did elephant man you know he produced that you know i mean I, his, his tastes were not you know this, he didn't do the same thing all the time either
0: uh, i know you're a big film fan film buff uh could you could you d- d- talk about maybe a filmmakers who have not influenced you but just inspired you people who you wouldn't necessarily uh see you know that you that you have a, a direct yeah. connection to them in in your work, but are, are definitely yeah, people you like think about. Is sure. Like my heroes,
2: like Bob Fosse is probably the biggest one. You know, because I, you know, he would do the movie Lenny, and then do Sweet Charity, and then do Cabaret, and you know, he did all these different kinds of movies. You know, Star 80, and he just made really good movies, and, and he wasn't really caught up in making the same movie over and over again. Um, I'm a big fan of Preston Sturges, which, you know, these are people that um, I don't necessarily think, you know, you would, if you've seen the movies I make, I don't really think you would necessarily think of by watching them, but those are definitely heroes of mine. Oh, I think this is a
0: good time to turn this over to the audience for questions.
2: Hi, I'm your big fan. And I think you're a great director. I forgot the title, but I love the movie. You were crowned, then Julie Brown was in the movie. You oh, shakes the clown. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Then you were so funny. Oh, so okay. My question uh, about your voice because you speak <laughs> really normal. Your voice is so normal, but in yeah. Portuguese you speak like this. Hey, how are you? Like this, you know. That was pretty how good. Do do <laughs> I can't do that. I can't. Sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> I think it's yeah. good. I oh, actually oh, thought oh, that was oh, good. Oh, yeah. So. You know, he might be good for the Police <laughs> Academy
0: reboot. <laughs> I think you're good so for then the you reboot. Sp-
2: then you spoke like that in Scrooge too. you know? Scrooge. A little bit, yeah. yeah I dialed yeah, so it down. Was it your idea or somebody told you you need to do that voice? They said you need to do <laughs> yeah. that voice yeah, or you're out of yeah. here. Then how did you come up the idea? Thank you so much. No. Well, the, the idea was I never really was comfortable. Thank you for the kind words. I... Um, you know, my early stand-up, I wasn't even doing stand-up. I'd just go on stage and cry and read a Dear John letter or gut a fish or something. And then, you know, I would, I'd be in tears, you know, reading a Dear John letter. I'd start my act, then stop, and then cry. And then, knew people want to hear jokes, and you know, and then I'd start doing a regular act, you know. My wife is so fat. And she's like, how fat is she? I told you I don't even have a girlfriend. What is wrong with you people? So... Um, <laughs> um so so it was more kind of like that kind of stuff, and I felt being myself was really terrifying, and I was uncomfortable, plus all the people I admired as uh, when I grew up, like Andy Kaufman or Brother Theodore, or even people like you know Abbott and Costello, you know i as a kid, I was aware that Groucho Marx actually stood erect when he walked around he didn't slump over and he didn't <laughs> you know um so I just kind of felt, well, that was how you did comedy, by by slouching over. No, by, you know, by doing a persona. So the character came out of nervousness. It wasn't like somebody that I saw and said, I want to imitate that person. And um, no, no, no one ever asked me to do it in a movie, um, uh, especially lately. No, <laughs> no, no, but I. I I always say that I retired from acting the same time they stopped hiring me so it worked out well but I um, I I kind of I got trapped in that character out of my own laziness not because that's what the film people who made movies was expecting of me it was much easier and lazier for me to do that than to come up with a new persona or to actually memorize dialogue and stuff so it was a bit of my own laziness but i don't think showbiz really i don't think like the industry typecast people i think i think um the general public's expectations for you could can typecast it but you know you just have to be polite
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i mean now you got to tell the other side of that is at what at what moment did you decide i don't need to do this cuz your comedy doesn't include this anymore is uh... no
2: well yeah I think it just you know I I'm a big I'm a big Jerry Lewis fan but then like in those later pictures when he's still doing that character you know what I mean it's a little uncomfortable so I, I think it was um, probably when my testicles dropped even lower maybe that was it they never tell you that and in high school and stuff you know and they tell young girls that you know their bodies are going to change but i wish someone told me that like, at 45 my nuts were going to be down by my knees you know no one they didn't give me a heads up there isn't a, hello god it's me margaret for men there's no like, hello god it's me stan yeah you know? <laughs> maybe like a maybe like a plumber with his ass crack hanging out talking to god wondering why his nuts keep descending
0: so back to scary movies I, I don't think we're that far apart in age bobcat when you were young do you remember <laughs> how's your balls <laughs> uh not bad actually oh good anyway uh i was gonna say that um do you remember as a kid this this pseudo documentary called the legend of boggy creek oh sure yeah i mean i i was this was this at all definitely inspired by that?
2: Definitely, um, you know. There's certain movies that I know that were inspired by Legend of Boggy Creek, and um, I don't want to give away the movie too much, but there's certainly it, it 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 helped me in the decision on how I made this movie because I found that movie really scary as a kid, and so I kind of uh, no pun intended I was kinda, I, I aped it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, snap it I do. I still got it. That's why I only do two shows a night. So, um, no, so so that movie, and, and the movies that influence this movie, I think people would be surprised if they go and check it out. But um, I think Grizzly Man actually had a lot to do with it, the Werner Herzog movie. And then, believe it or not, um, Paper Heart, which was a movie Charlene Yee made, and she did this thing where they told a narrative movie but they used real people much like we do in this movie so i thought oh i'll, I'll do that same thing
0: what what were the grizzly man connections i mean i can i can think about it to some extent but what well was... this
2: guy's drive his his drive in the fact that he is you know people will go why, why are these people still have their camera on it's like that guy had the camera on all the way till being eaten by bears you know and um it was the, his naive enthusiasm—that was his downfall—and I just thought that would be that would be w- who Bryce would be, the, and and um, yeah. So so that movie did did influence it, you know. And and obviously, I'm fully aware of the Blair Witch <laughs> similarities. I I, ha- I didn't go back and revisit Blair Witch, which I kind of wish I did before I made it, because maybe I could have separated a little bit more. But Blair Witch is a good. It's a great movie and what people who when they do found footage they try to be so different from it, they lose what makes it it's like making I'm sorry, people are gonna go in the woods and the camera's not gonna be the camera's gonna be jiggly 'cause that's how it goes. It's like making a western without horses. This is what has to happen in a found footage movie. Um but um but I'd like to point out that the very first phone footage movie is the actual Patterson Gimlin footage of Sasquatch walking through the woods. Because it's the first movie, two people out in the woods, people argue to this day if it's real or not. um, There was a rumor that John Landis was actually in the suit in the Patterson Gimlin footage. So I wrote him an email. I don't know him, I got his email. I kind of stretched the truth and said I was writing an article. for 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 a, for a magazine. And I sent him, and immediately I get this email back. It says, um, I most certainly am not in the Sasquatch suit in the Patterson Gimlet footage. What magazine are you writing an article for? How did you get my email? <laughs> <laughs> but then we, we kind of smoothed it out and he was fine. I think he's happy to dispel the rumor that it's not him in the the alleged suit in the... Bigfoot movie. But you know, when we filmed the movie, um I was out in the woods, obviously, and um, you know, um one of the Bigfoot uh experts that was there, he was a ranger, and he said to me, He goes, this is, you know, right after we see all these scary animals out in the woods, and he's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a writer, too. And I'm like, oh, really? Well, you know, what do you write? He goes, well, I write, you know, Twilight. I go, well, yeah, of course, we all know Twilight. He goes, well, I write coming-of-age stories for tweens set in the Bigfoot community. And I go, oh, what's your book? And he goes, well, one of them's uh, Yeti or Not. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's available on uh I don't know on Amazon. I I saw I got it on eBay.
0: <laughs> How is it? Did you read it?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think he wants me to make it into a feature. <laughs> I, I, I He's gonna be disappointed. that that's how, not did, my how did next the movie. Bigfoot
0: community uh, react to you? When, once you knew that you were not gonna be doing a doing a, a, a piss take on on their community, like how did they? The,
2: the majority of them seem to really like it because I'm not making fun of them. I mean, the, but there's still hopefully, if you s- see the movie, that there's some laughs in it. I hope for folks, but it's not at the expense of a, at them. Um, and I think they like it because you know when I went to make the movie, it was a little there's it was difficult because. They didn't trust me because Bob Saget had been there about a half a year before, and he did the thing on Bigfoot, and he kind of made fun of them. And uh, I had to convince them and say, like, No, I'm not like Bob Saget. <laughs> they just clump us all together. Hi. Uh,
1: first off, I want to thank you for giving Bob Fosse props like that, because All That Jazz was one of the movies that yeah. showed me that, Wait, this is the same guy who danced Steam Heat. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. just so it was really great there. Um, I actually have two questions. One is, you know, I keep sh- I show your movies to a bunch of friends who are always like, "Wait, that's him who directed this," and it's always and you know, always get positive feedback from that, and seeing the positive feedback from you know online from all the movies coming out. Um, are you getting any kind? You know, and you even mentioned now though, you don't want to work for the machine, if you will. Are you getting any? You know offers that way and trying to? I mean, because I could see you doing it successfully. Um, Is that happening or are you sticking to the um, independent, no, I just wanna do my own stuff?
2: Yeah, I kinda stick to my own thing, you know. Um, I have some people that that are nice enough to to believe in me and help me out with some of them, but yeah, I've stayed away from it. And um, you know, after I had a movie at Sundance that's the normal thing is like you get a movie and then you go out and try to get in the studios. But um, I sold out when I was a young man. So as an old man, I'm not interested in it. Except if it's for Snickers because they make a great candy bar. It's delicious. Um, but no. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I really try to do... Um, I'm just kind of... I'm just too old to, 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 to try to... Um, make things that I don't believe in or work with people that I don't care about. Um, so I direct a lot of television for friends or people who I admire. I do stand-up. Um, to And I just do these things so I don't have to be on reality shows, you know, because I get asked to be on all of them. Uh, by the way, here's a scoop. I, I am doing Finding Bigfoot, though. I, I'm not familiar with the show. Oh, how could you not know Finding Bigfoot? Think of Drag Race, but out in the woods.
0: Why am I not imagining everybody uh, in drag uh, in the no, no, woods? No, uh,
2: in no, I to find out what, what shows you watch. Um, it's, it's exactly what it is. It's, a, it's, it's Animal Planet's like number one to number two highly rated highest rated show. And it's exactly what you think. Uh, so I'm going to go out in the woods with a couple of... The, folks from finding Bigfoot and go look for Bigfoot. Look, the worst night looking for Bigfoot is still just camping. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you don't find Bigfoot, it's not embarrassing. You went camping. It was a pretty nice time, you know?
1: Um, and just one last thing I just want to ask, because I noticed from the trailer, I haven't seen this yet, and I will see it this weekend probably, Thanks. but there was that the dragging of the camera, which very reminiscent of a lot of the stuff that Sam Raimi has done with in the early uh, again, was that intentional? Influenced? Was it just something?
2: You know, I bet you subconsciously. You know, I really, I, I really love Sam's uh, movies. You know, I mean, there's somebody who's 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 made movies on his own terms and then done big studio things. So I don't know. Maybe it's possible. I just don't know if I. Uh, but I, I am a Sam Raimi fan. But I don't know if I could. I don't know. It's really weird that like. I do all these genre film festivals promoting this movie, and they're all kind of. There's such like. Do you know what I mean? It's as if like. Legit film is the drunken stepfather to the genre film community because they all think they go. You like you like scary movies, <laughs> like they're like they're nervous. It's like yeah, why 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 don't I? I like good movies. You know, I don't. I like I like all kinds of movies and. Um, you know that that that's why I made this movie too was uh, I just like making movies you know.
0: hi there um just quickly i've enjoyed all your movies. they're great. I uh, can't wait to watch this one um just want to ask, ask- a question when you and or your cast and crew when you were being in and around everybody who is uh who are believers in bigfoot. Did any of your cast and crew get swayed into it or, or are any of your cast and crew did they did, did anybody believe in Bigfoot before Sure yeah
2: yeah uh Bryce is totally in the who plays Jim so he was perfect so when he was speaking with these folks there was nothing snarky about what he had to say you know And and I always say that I I I like to I want to live in a world where the possibility of Bigfoot exists you know um and I was on Fox News the other morning, the local affiliate here in New York, and I didn't even realize what I was saying, but I said that, um, you know, I'm an atheist, but I believe in Bigfoot because I have friends who have actually heard and seen Bigfoot, and... Um, I, did, I forgot you don't say you're an atheist on Fox. The guy goes, wait a minute, you're an atheist? And then um, we went to a commercial and when we took a picture, he wouldn't stand next to me. It was really awkward. Like like he was going to, I don't know what was going to happen. I don't know, but it was kind of funny. So when when you're working with the actors, um, what do you think is the hardest part of to, to try to tell them to evoke a certain feeling? Like, I mean, obviously they're going to be scared, right? But, I, what do you do? You feel that you have to say like, remember this scene, or you know, uh, remember something from your life. You know. Yeah, you know. Um, thanks. That's a good question. Um, you know, the the hardest part is it, in any kind of movie. I think is making an environment for an actor to feel comfortable that they can take chances that, and they're not going to be. Um, you know, that they're supported, you know so so uh, I, I felt you know I really knew these guys well and they collaborated a lot, so it wasn't really trying to pull a performance out of them. but like I said, sometimes we would do it and say, well, maybe you wouldn't be this hysterical or or vice versa. but um, when I when I work with actors, I, I, I really, because cause I've spent time on the other side of the camera, you know the biggest key is to make them feel that they can fail and that they're not going to be laughed at, ridiculed, or it's not going to end up in the movie. And once you make people feel that safe, you get really great stuff out of them, you know. I mean, I, I, we were talking about I did the movie "World's Greatest Dad" with Robin Williams, and I think people work with Robin, and they used to kind of act don't, don't put him in the process and want him to just be funny or, I don't know. I think they talk, you know what I mean? So I was nervous. I've known him since I was 19 years old, and I was very nervous that when we started that movie, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I was going to say, okay, we need to do a a take, and this time we're going to be really quiet. And I thought he was going to say, you know, I have an Academy Award, and you're in Police Academy. You know, <laughs> I think we'll do it my way. But it was the direct opposite. You know, I think he really liked uh, the the collaboration. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, then, uh, what what
0: actually what scares you? What what are some of the things that you cull from when you're when you're working on trying to convey fear in a movie?
2: Well, I I think maybe maybe you hit on what all my movies might have similar. And and that's being alone, you know. The, uh, coming to terms with being alone, being alone is scary. So that's probably why these people that it is scary that these people are all alone. Um, uh, or or if it works for you, but yeah, I just I just realized that.
0: Okay, well, thank you so much. It's got ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes it as of right a, now. So it, everyone go see it. Ninety uh,
2: six and Rotten Tomatoes, yeah.
0: And once again, Bob Guy
2: Thanks.